coffee. Every three weeks I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For this 33rd episode I talked to Xenia Monteo, co-founder of Planable, a social media collaboration and approval platform for agencies and bigger companies. Xenia started a social media agency in Moldova when she was in university and she built it out to seven people until she found it planable to solve one of the collaboration issues they were facing in her agency. Her startup was discovered by an accelerator in Romania and afterwards by Techstars in London. We talk about why you should hire slowly to build culture, how excited she is about rebranding planable, getting back to pottery and jewelry and the long road to product market fit. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi Xenia, it's great to have you on Founder Coffee. Hi Jeroen, thanks uh, so much for inviting me. So you're co-founder of Planable. Uh, for those who don't know Planable, what do you guys do? Yeah, so Planable is a creative workflow tool uh, for social media teams. Um, and what it does is uh, it helps marketing teams to create social media content uh, together to work better as a team, to get themselves aligned around the content uh, that they are produced, to visualize it and to get it published in a very streamlined way. Everything in, in one single place. So like productivity tool um, for social media teams. So, so are we talking like big teams then? Are, are we in big companies now? Are we in agencies? Who uses Planable? Yeah, so agencies definitely because agencies collaborate by default with people, with their clients. So um, they are by default in, in, you know, in a collaborative environment. They need to showcase their work to clients and get approvals. So this type of workflow is necessary for them as you know because of their business model but it also applies to in-house teams that are bigger you know five people and more um, or even less people but distributed working remotely and needing something to communicate around the work that they're producing but yeah usually the problem gets more messy and more complex the more people um, are involved in in social media production yeah how did you get started like with making a solution for this problem? Is this something you faced yourself? Yeah, well, very similarly to your uh, your story, Jaron, uh, we were in the industry and we saw the problem, you know, with our own eyes. We, we personally felt it. We personally struggled with it. Um, before Planable, I had a small social media marketing agency and my technical co-founder who worked in a similar agency. Um, and, you know, we were talking about the challenges that, that we were having at work and how hard it was to gather feedback internally from your team members. You know, we were building social media calendars in Excels or sometimes in PowerPoints, and we were sharing it by email internally inside the agency, but then externally to the clients to get approvals. And it just felt like such a broken process. You know, we, uh, we also have a background in, in graphic design and we were always thinking, you know, designers have envision uh, to collaborate around, you know, the frameworks and the, the design files that they're creating. It's, it's just so easy in Envision to leave comments and to share your work to clients and share your work internally. 
and it's just such a beautiful process and it's so pleasantly it's it's very pleasant to work and envision when you're a designer but marketers they don't have anything like that for social they don't have anything as smooth and elegant and also as collaborative and visual as designers have with Envision. So that's how the idea of Planable was born. Uh, we wanted to just make our work simpler and a bit more delightful. Um, so that's how Planable was born to do just that. Yeah. So you mentioned that, that the schedules would basically be distributed in Excel files and people would give feedback and etc. But how yeah, you before Planable like mock up the social media posts? Did you have <laughs> for that or did, did you visualize that or was it just a few lines that people had to imagine what it was? Oh God, that's such an interesting story because um, I had, you know, the, when I had, you know, very important clients that were very serious about their brands, you know, I, I was working with Coca-Cola, for example, in, in Eastern Europe. Um, and I had a Photoshop file where I was mocking up, you know, how their entire timeline is going to look like with all the posts that we were planning to publish in the next week or in the next month. So that was tedious, tedious work. And then I got smarter and I created a fake Facebook page, you know, where I could just mock up the posts, take a screenshot and send it to clients or send it internally. It was good because it was easy for the clients to understand how, your, how their content is going to look like in the end. Uh, but it was also good for me because I could make sure that the post was looking like I intended. Um, because, you know, spreadsheets and Excels are just a terrible way of showcasing visual content. There's no way you're just relying on everyone else's imagination to guess what you had in mind when you were drafting that post. So that's how I, I was doing it back then. Um, and with Planable, you can just create a post and it looks exactly like, you know, on its social media platform. It looks exactly like on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Um, so what you see is what you're going to get in the end uh, with Planable. Yeah. That, that's, that social media marketing agency, was that your agency or were you working somewhere? No, I started it during my second year of university. Um, I was in a student organization and one of the partners, one of the sponsors of that organization was looking for someone to do their social. Um, so there I was, you know, <laughs> young, hungry and cheap. Um, and that's how I started my, uh, my agency. Uh, I, was, I was studying PR and mass communication back then. So it was kind of one of my undreamed, one of my dreams um, to, to work in this space, to work in advertising. Um, and I actually never imagined I'm going to start an agency. With, it was, you know, a, a dream that I actually didn't have, but it, it became reality. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's, you know, the, the agency was just me in the beginning. And then we were like about six, seven people doing uh, not just social, but also, you know, websites and branding work. Um, and that's how, you know, I learned more about the industry and the challenges uh, marketers have. Yeah. Does that agency still exist? Or? No. Uh, when I started Planable, I, you know, we left together with my co-founders, we left everything we were doing back then. You know, I closed my agency um, my co-founder, my technical co-founder, Nick, left the agency he was working in 
And my third co-founder, Vlad, uh, he dropped out of college <laughs> to do Planable. So we left quite a lot be behind us, you know, our work, but also we moved countries. You know, we started um, in Republic of Moldova. That's where we are uh, originally from. And then we moved to Romania um, uh, to, to build a business. Yeah. Why did you move to Romania? Is Romania a better place to have your startup? Well, first of all, Romania is in the, the, in the European Union um, and it just has better economic opportunities, I would say. Uh, it, has, it has investors, it's a strong, it's a growing, it's an upcoming, I wouldn't say strong, but it is an upcoming startup ecosystem uh, because it has, you know, angel investors and strong technical universities, um, accelerators, quite a lot of events. Uh, like the one uh, we are going to speak at, Hot Web, and quite a lot of other, um, you know, conferences and, you know, platforms for startups. And it also has inspiring success stories, um, like the one that, you know, you've probably, quite a lot of people probably heard about, UiPath, uh, you know, the Eastern, uh, uni the Eastern European Eastern um, Unicorn, um, and those, all those inspiring stories that Romania has just create a better environment to, um, to build a startup than, than Moldova. Moldova is still, um, is still trying to develop this ecosystem. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, Romania is, um, you know, a few steps ahead. Yeah. So you, you basically, you wanted to start your own company. You felt like Moldova was not the place. Uh, and you all decided to move to Romania. Yeah, we were discovered actually by an accelerator in Romania. Um, they discovered us in Moldova uh, while we were doing, you know, while we were having the idea of Planable, and they invited us to be accelerator in, in Romania, and that's how we, we moved. Um, it's really hard to start a company when you do not have, you know, the support of someone else. And I think that was a huge, huge factor that helped us build the company. Um, the fact that we had this accelerator that was, you know, confirming that what we're doing makes sense. <laughs> um, and they were willing, you know, to put in time to invest in us so that we can build the business and move forward. I think without those things, you can definitely build a business, but it is easier if you have people that are validating uh, what you're doing. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you, you started off because someone needed someone to do a social media. Uh, yeah. Is, is that the first time you decided to start a company or, to, or, or was this something that you had in mind before already? No, uh, I'm an entrepreneur by accident. <laughs> I never, you know, I was, I was not dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur at some point um, because in Moldova is a tiny, tiny country, uh, post-Soviet country in Eastern Europe, and people do not have entrepreneurial aspirations um, back there. You know, it's not a trend. Uh, people do not, you know, young, young kids are not dreaming of, you know, becoming an entrepreneur at some point. So that was not something that I was always thinking about. It, it just happened to me. And 
uh, I didn't even realize I'm doing it until, you know, a certain point. Um, but it was, you know, my agency was not my first venture. Uh, before the agency, during high school, I had a small venture. I was not even thinking about it as a business, but it was producing money. Yeah. Um, and what I was doing was uh, I was crafting handmade jewelry and I was selling it online. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, you know, you could say a fashion e-commerce, <laughs> if you would be too exaggerated. Um, but it was, it was my first attempt um, at business that I, that I had. It was a good one. Uh, you know, it was profitable um, as the agency was. Um, yeah. So that's how you know, my journey started. Is that, is that similar for your co-founders or were you the one who dragged them into entrepreneurship? Um, well, the idea of Planable as it is I came first to my co-founder, Nick. Um, so I think he had this entrepreneurial spirit in himself as well, though I think it was the first business, Planable is the first business for him. Uh, but I think we all had the hustle in ourselves. Um, Vlad, my, my third co-founder, he had, he had started a few NGOs while he was in high school. Uh, so we all had, you know, this ambition in ourselves even though it was not maybe materialized in, you know, traditional businesses at the time. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what, what is kind of your, your dream now as a accidental entrepreneur? How, <laughs> how do you measure success? Let's say. Uh, wow. Um, that's a tough question. So success Personally, in life, or would you say success in business? Uh, I, I guess you can cover both. For for many <laughs> entrepreneurs, uh, success in business is success in life, or at least a, a big part of it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have to be. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put an equal. You know, uh, I no, wouldn't. Say not, so. Yeah, because it's a dangerous path. Um, but. Yeah, success in business for me would mean um, actually, actually, actually transforming the way marketers work today. Because you could become, you know, you know, a multi-millionaire business. Uh, you could, you know, actually uh, drive a lot of revenue and have a lot of clients, but not change um especially if you're in the enterprise business you know you could sign quite a lot of contracts but you know a big majority of those licenses are not active and um people are not actually using the product and you're not actually driving change uh in the way you know people work so i think for me the way i would measure my success is if we actually could uh transform the industry so I wouldn't look, you know, obviously that would come with, you know, bigger numbers in terms of revenue and in terms of, you know, contracts. But for me, change in the industry and actually making people, you know, say goodbye to <laughs> Excel's Microsoft Outlook and, you know, Google Drive and all those um, archaic tools, 
that's the way I, I see success and, and, and planable. Um, and also a big part of success and planable is building a, a culture that makes you wake up in the morning excited, like really excited to go to work. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big part for me, both you know, professionally, but also kind of personally um, as well. Um, so that's how I would define success, having a really awesome team and uh, helping you know, the industry change. Yeah. So on, on the one hand, it seems that you want to build a, a, a big company, at least serve a lot of clients because it's kind of a, a requirement to change yeah. work, I suppose. On yes. the other hand, you're, uh, you give a lot of importance to building a company with the right culture. How yeah. Do you, feel you, will, you will marry the two. Yeah, 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 it's a good question. Um, it's it's really hard to have both because <laughs> the more you grow, the harder it is to keep the culture as you intended initially. Um, it is tough, but we when we recruit new people, um, a planable we we you know attitude is the first thing that we we look at. Um, and if we do not find someone that we are, you know, hell yes about them, um, then, you know, we decide to start the process again. Um, so for us, it's, it's, you know, it's really important, especially now that we're still a small team, you know, we're only 10 people on board. Uh, it's really important to make sure that every person that joins Planable is as excited about it as we are about them. Um, so that's, that's, it is hard, but I think it's doable if you stick to your, if you stick to your values and kind of principles that you have in mind. And if you do not compromise, I have definitely compromised, uh, before in terms of, you know, recruiting and it never, it never worked out. So, um, you know, you, you recruit people that are brilliant and super smart and super talented, but there is not a 100% click. And you think that, you know, the fact that they're smart and then the fact that they're interested in the company is going to work out and everything is going to align in the end. But if there is no chemistry, it's, it's not going to work out in the end. You know, things are going to go and, you know, it's, it's going to be an issue at some point. So I've learned that lesson and now we're trying to um, make sure that, you know, the people that join uh, are happy and we're happy. Um, and I think, you know, those things are doable, having, you know, a big company and having a, a you know, a happy and awesome and like cool culture are doable, but it is definitely a hard thing to do. Yeah. So yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. A bit on the same subject, like, do you guys see yourself bootstrapping this or are you looking for funding? Well, we've already raised money, so we're past mm-hmm. that strapping point. Uh, we were funded from the beginning, actually. So um, we raised, we had like a small uh, family fund ticket uh, investment, like an angel investment of uh, 20K um, three years ago when we started the company. And um, afterwards, we went through Techstars in London, and that was 120K uh, again. 
Um, and we recently just closed our seed round. So uh, we are definitely going on the VC path. Yeah. 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 I even saw, I, I, I went to get, look you, you guys up on Crunchbase and instead of Romania, it says London there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the company is incorporated in London. Oh, okay. um, it is actually, it, we already switched now. It is a classical uh, Delaware um, <laughs> Inc. So yeah. um, American company now. Mm-hmm. What is it that you, like, you personally, you do lately at Planable? What are you busy with? Yeah, <laughs> I ask myself sometimes this, you know, the job of the CEO, and you could probably agree with me or disagree, uh, is just so diverse. And you do so many things at once. Um, one of the, one of my focuses at the moment is, uh, we are going through a um, rebranding process. Um, we're not changing the name. The name is still going to be Planable, but we are changing our visual identity. Um, because if you look at Planable's logo now and the new Slack logo, <laughs> you might see yeah. some similarities. <laughs> and though our logo is, you know, I built it, I designed it three years ago. Um, you know, Slack is a big company, so you don't go against them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are changing it. it. It definitely needs an upgrade anyway. So it was a good opportunity to, um, to evolve the brand. So that's one of the big focuses that I have at the moment. Um, and recruiting. Um, recruiting, I think, is one of my top priorities always. Um, recruiting and you know building the culture and uh, making sure that you know I'm, I'm ticking all those boxes that we we just discussed um, and yeah those are my two biggest focuses at the moment I think you know the third focus is um, sales um, bringing in new clients um, so those are you know my top three priorities you know top of my mind every day yeah so those those are the three things you do when you're in the office or yeah, I mean, the high level, uh, you know, high level, that's kind of the things that I do. But I think actually they translate into writing emails, a lot of emails. <laughs> yeah. Mostly writing emails. Actually, yeah. myself, I uh, I don't write so many emails, which is sometimes huh. a bit wrong, I guess. Wrong. Because Why would you? People wrong. have to wait a long time to get a response because there's so many other channels that uh, take away my attention. Uh, we have the chat with customers in Intercom. Uh, right. We have the uh, I I mostly chat with uh, other founders or so um, in Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. Yeah. Uh, there's the internal Slack chat, and the emails are really like the last place where I go look. Interesting. Emails are the first thing for me, um, just because I think we use Intercom for like self-service customers, the one you you know that come just on the website, free trial, and all of that, and for customer support as well. And then my priority is um, enterprise customers, and those usually happen on on email rather than you know in yeah. the chat box. Um, and then. 
you know, with providers and recruiting, it all happens on email. So that takes a big, big chunk of my day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that could be through LinkedIn as well. So. Yeah, that's true. LinkedIn as well. But um, I don't know about you, but I have such an issue with the LinkedIn inbox. I, I just dream about a better LinkedIn inbox, one with, you know, reminders and snoozing thing and uh, it just feels so inefficient to work. I mean, I'm forced to work uh, in the LinkedIn inbox, but I'm dreaming about someone building a better uh, client. You know, the way there are there are email clients for you know for email. You know, I'm imagining something like that for uh, LinkedIn. So someone should build that if the API allows it. <laughs> I hope LinkedIn hears this because I think a lot of people would like to do it, but uh, yeah. the LinkedIn API does not allow it. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed for LinkedIn to build it someday. Yeah, the, the only thing you can do is like hack um, a sort of, um, let's say, a client-side inbox on top of theirs. But yeah. The question is how long that survives. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, I'm not sure, you know, but it's always difficult to build something on top of others. I can say it from our own personal experience. APIs yeah. are always an issue. Um, so it's it's difficult, especially with LinkedIn being very restrictive with their API nowadays. Yeah, does that, does that require, this is like a totally off-topic question, but... Uh, uh, does that require a lot of work on your side? Because I, I've read some posts, for instance, by the guys of Q. Uh, yeah. You, um, yeah. that they spend a lot of 2018 catching up with all the different APIs and all the changes they made. Uh, yeah. There's also other apps that I've seen closing because Twitter closes whatever part of their API and then doesn't allow them anymore or, or tools on top of LinkedIn, which are a bit more hacky, not using the API. Uh, how is that for you guys? It is a difficult, a difficult, you know, job for us working with the APIs. Um, but because the problem we're solving is more one of collaboration and planning rather than publishing, it is not. I would say it is not the core um, mm-hmm. of Planable, but it is definitely, you know, top five. Um, issues and top five priorities that we have, especially with, for example, one of the biggest challenges that we have at the moment is direct Instagram publishing. Um, You know, there's a lot of Facebook marketing partners that have direct Instagram publishing, you know, like Hootsuite, for example, um, and we do not have it uh, yet. So that's, that's an issue for us in terms of, you know, um, keeping customers and gaining new customers. It is, I, you know, by far the most requested feature uh, that we are missing at the moment. And now with Facebook introducing direct Instagram publishing in their creator studio, it becomes even harder. And it is heartbreaking uh, when you talk, you know, with customers and they, they pass on Planable because we don't have that. And, um, you know, it, it's not something in our control. Um, if it would be up to us, you know, we would build it in a day, um, but it is the API in the end. So mm-hmm. we are, you know, spending a lot of time working with Facebook to gain uh, this enhanced API access. 
So APIs are a, just a pain <laughs> to work with and to get access to them as well. Yeah. Back to, uh, to what, what you're doing, actually. Like, if, if, I, if I see what, what you're doing, what is what's exactly the, the next thing from your package of tasks that you would like to delegate? Tax, tasks that I would like to delegate. Yes. I mean, you, you are, you are uh, CEO, co-founder, general management, and, and one of the, the things you probably want to do more and more is to uh, delegate parts of the things you do so you can yeah. make the company better. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of them is I definitely need to delegate a part of the hiring process because now I'm doing it end-to-end. Um, so now I'm going to involve uh, my team into the first part of the hiring process, you know, the phone screening and the first selection of candidates. Um, I think that empowers the team as well to have, you know, to have a decision-making in the process, in, in, you know, in who joins the team, who are going to be there their new colleagues. So I think that's empowering for them as well, but it also helps me save some time and, um, you know, drop in the recruiting process in, in the middle and not uh, do it end, end to end. Um, and then sales, um, expanding the team and growing the sales team so that it, it's not just, you know, me focusing on enterprise sales, but uh, having a team to, to support uh, this function. Yeah. Of the things you do, what, what actually gives you the, the most energy? Um, I'm very, very excited and terrified about our rebranding process. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually, you know, it's, it's just mixed feelings that I have about it. But it is, I am enthusiastic about it, though I am also scared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to work out in the end, how it's going to look like. I think this type of change can, you know, is like you know, a fresh breath of air um, mm. and long overdue, uh, the branding and the, the new website. So I'm, I'm quite, quite passionate and enthusiastic about it also because it involves design. And I, you know, I, I love, I love design and I, you know, since I started the company in the beginning, I was doing quite a lot of design, but now I do not have the time and I shouldn't have the time to do design. Uh, but every time I get the chance to give feedback on design, you know, on our marketing materials or do anything related to design, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I, I learned Photoshop when I was, um, in seventh grade, uh, we moved with my family from one, uh, part of Moldova to a different part of Moldova and I didn't have any friends. So in the summer I, I learned Photoshop and, you know, my mom, she also has this very, she's, she's a painter and she has this, you know, aesthetic, um, you know, skills, and she taught me how to see the world visually. Um, and I think I, I missed that. Um, I was doing a lot of design in, in my agency back then. So I think that's something that I, I miss a lot. And 
it's also because it is visual and you, you can almost you can almost touch it right with with other things like like sales or marketing it's more a process rather than an end result with design it's the closest thing it can get to an actual physical thing um and I think that's related to my first venture as well when I was crafting, you know, handmade jewelry. It's also, you know, physical products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I miss, you know, this entire part of uh, building, you know, beautiful things um, and designing, you know, beautiful things. And I think that's why I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy doing it whenever I get the chance. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say you probably enjoy building beautiful things and then you said it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I, I'm supposing you are quite um, busy considering all the different things you do from the, the hiring to the, to the design process to the sales to all these kind of things. How do you kind of keep that all in balance with your, your let's say, personal life next to that? Where yeah. the limits between your work and, and the rest? Yeah, I don't know if I keep it in balance. Uh, <laughs> um, I remember when we started Planable, uh, we, we didn't have a weekend. I think we were so, so excited about building it. We are still obviously very excited, but back then we didn't have any limits. We were working, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Sundays, um, you know, up until 11 p.m. Um, and then we gradually started, you know, making time for our personal lives. And, you know, we started taking the Sunday off and then the Saturday off. And now I am trying to put some, you know, to build some hobbies and other stuff to keep my life in balance. But I'm not sure I'm doing a, a really good job um, yet. What I'm trying to do now is go to the gym. I think that energizes me a lot and, you know, mm. helps me put a bit of balance um, in life and it helps me rewind. Um, but I'm still <laughs> struggling to do that regularly as quite a lot of people are. Gym is, is hard to maintain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if if you you're looking for hobbies, I suppose you don't have kids. No, no, <laughs> are, are kids a hobby? <laughs> no, they they kill hobbies. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I I don't have I don't have kids. No, um, so yeah, yeah. So not, not not that much personal life, uh, or at least not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly. A uh, few hobbies you're developing and and going to the gym. Yeah. What kind of hobbies do I have to think? What kind of hobbies? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking. Uh, I was thinking about um, something physical again, like something like crafting, something doing something, you know, with mm-hmm. my hand. Um, and I was looking at lessons on um, on Skillshare or something like that about. Um, like crafting uh, ceramic pots <laughs> mm-hmm. and like painting them and stuff like that. I would like to do that, but then you need like this, you know, big oven where you can, uh, you know, 
bake those pots basically out of ceramics and I didn't find any. They're like super, super expensive to buy. So you need to find one and I didn't find anything in, in Bucharest, but I would like to do that because it reminds me again of what I was doing in, in high school with the, with the jewelry. Um, I think that would be, I imagine that would be super relaxing to just paint them and <laughs> craft them with my own hands. That's, that's, that's something I would like to do. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm postponing that um, until I find, you know, a solution to actually making them. Yeah. And that's in, in Bucharest or is it in London because, you, and because of the discussion around the two places? No, I'm based in Bucharest at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. The company is incorporated in London and, you know, we have a lot of business there, investors traveling there for customers. So I do spend a lot of time in uh, London. But I, you know, my I consider Bucharest my home now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Slowly wrapping up. Uh, do you also read books? Uh, I do, uh, but not as much as I would like to. To be no. honest, <laughs> I usually ask what the latest good book is you've read and why you chose to read it. Yeah, so the latest one that I was I I, I read, I mean I'm still reading it, is um, Twenty One Lessons from Noah Harari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I read his Sapiens book as well. Uh, I like I like a lot with his uh, with his writing. And I think, you know, especially if you're working in technology, the twenty one lessons um, is, you know, it's a, it's a good book. And it's also just easy to read it doesn't require you know a lot of um mental space and effort so you know it's also a kind of i would say a relaxing uh read at least for me <laughs> yeah what's the what's the main takeaway you've you had from the book so far like what is the lesson that stayed with you yeah data is going to kill us all <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he's talking a lot about how um you know, this accumulation of, of data uh, on humanity, on, you know, society, uh, if it's not properly regulated by governments in the future, it could lead to, um, it could lead to technology, to uh, authoritarian um, technology regimes and how, you know, it, it can go badly if, um, you know, if, if the data is, not regulated because you know people who own it um, might you know develop um, technologies that are not necessarily in uh, our interest so we could go in a very uh, Orwellian uh, world <laughs> so yeah it is I, I said it is a relaxing read but now when I'm saying it it sounds scary <laughs> yes yeah. is there is there any anything you wish you would have known when you started out with Planable? Um, that's an interesting question. Yes, I wish I wish someone made it more clear to me that it is going to take a lot, a lot of time to get to product market fit. And that, you know, product market fit is a very uncertain thing. Uh, you might think you have it, but it, it, it's always, uh, you know, a question if you actually achieved it or not. Um, 
So I think, you know, just the amount of, of time it takes to put the product on market, uh, to iterate on the product. I think I, you know, I probably was a bit naive and expected things to move, move a bit faster. Um, and I wish I knew that. I, I wish my expectations were set more correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that's one of the things that I, I wish... Um, I wish I knew. Yeah. 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 Thinking about it, I, I, I feel the same way. That's probably, I remember as in, uh, April, 2014, having this great idea and then thinking like, people are going to love this and we're going to be successful so fast. We're just going <laughs> to build this thing. I mean, we had an approach about it, like to do it step by step and to test the idea. Yeah. But we 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 definitely imagined it to go faster than 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 it did. And, and I think one of the issues around this is that I was imagining it's all it all depends on me, right? On how fast I move and how much I work. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It's not. It, you know, there are things that are out of your control, um, and. You just need to wait for those things to happen and time needs to pass. Um, so, you know, I wish I knew that it's not, it, you know, it doesn't depend only on me and my team and how much we work and how much effort we put in this, uh, that it still, you know, it still depends on so many other criteria out of our own uh, power. Um, and I think, you know, if I knew that, it would have helped me not feel guilty in some instances, you know, feel a bit more relaxed around how fast things are moving. Because uh, if you put all that, all that pressure on you and if you think, you know, it's just up to you and how the business is going to go, um, it, when it doesn't go well, it's also, you know, all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it kind of is because you're doing the business, but not 100%, right? There are, you know, some criteria outside of your control and you need to be aware of those. Yeah. Do you have some examples of those? Uh, the APIs. <laughs> yeah. um, the, you know, the API is definitely, you know, working with external, um, external uh, partners is hard always. Um, and... Also, it just, you know, talking, you know, with customers and signing new contracts. Uh, it's also, you know, an external uh, factor that, uh, I mean, you can push it, you can speed it up, but in the end, it's, again, outside of your control. I think, you know, in sales, there's a lot of those, those things, you know, that don't depend on you entirely, right? I mean, you know better probably than me. <laughs> But I feel like that's that's what I've learned so far. Final question: uh, What's the best piece of business advice you ever got? Uh, best piece of business advice. Let me think. Um, Could have been from one of your your investors, co-founders, tech stars. Yeah. So I think. From, from one of my investors recently is a good piece of advice is 
um, about creating our own category. Uh, so I think that's very important to define a new category, uh, build it with your own product. So that's why we're trying to think at the moment um, about Planable, like how, what category, what product category does Planable create? Um, and that would probably be, you know, creative content uh, collaboration. Um, so I think, you know, creating a new space and owning it, you know, putting a flag in it and owning it, driving, you know, growth in that specific category that you created is an inter interesting approach to um, to business. So that was a that was a good advice. But like general advices of you know, um, just how important the team is. I think that's something that I learned very early on from from my mentors. Um, and because it was just us, the three co-founders in, in the beginning, you know, one of the best advices that I got was just to, um, not hire in the beginning, if you know what I mean, uh, like postpone mm -hmm. hiring as much as you can. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's important because it gave us the co-founders the ch chance to build uh, a culture between the three of us and align ourselves in terms of values and everything and be more mature as a business when we started hiring. Um, so I think that was a good advice that we got. That's definitely some solid advice. I would, yeah. I would advise people to do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for being on Founder Coffee, Xenia. Um, it was great to have you. Thank you so much, Jiren, for inviting me. My, my coffee just ended <laughs> right now, so perfect timing. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.